Football on Off The Ball With Sky Get more of the sports you love on Sports Extra With BT Sport and Premier Sports It's gone in the Euro semi-final this evening Nil all between France and Germany is how we stand We are going to turn to Barcelona Interesting times to say the least over the last couple of years at the club just last uh, August, Juan Laporta said that the club's debt stood at 1.35 billion euro and that player salaries accounted for 103% of all income. I'm no mathematician, but 103% of all income did not sound good. So a dire situation crystallised in the departure of Lionel Messi. And suddenly here we are, summertime of 2022. They have signed Robert Lewandowski, Rafinha, Pablo Torre for a combined 100 million euro. They've brought in Andreas Christensen and Frank Kessie on free transfers and they continue to pursue players. So how do they do it? We're not quite sure. Even Julian Nagelsmann, the Bayern Munich coach, was confused. He said, it's the only club in the world that have no money and then buy all the players they want. I don't know how they do it. It's a bit strange. It's a bit crazy. They got a lot of new players, not only Robert, as in Robert Lewandowski. For more, we're joined by Kieran Canning, football correspondent for AFP. Kieran, you're very welcome. Hi, Joe. Uh, Financial levers, one of the phrases I've seen when it comes to Barcelona in recent times. In effect, this uh, current splurge, and you can expand on the detail, but in effect, it seems that they are uh, borrowing or, or selling against future TV money. So, They've sold a quarter of all the money they're going to make from TV for the next 25 years to uh, some kind of American investment fund. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the way that they've done it, as, uh, as Nagelman was saying, that the, the only club in the world without any money, they do now have money. The, the issue is that they've got that money by basically mortgaging their future. You know, they've sold off future revenues, um, as you say, to uh, 25% of their future La Liga uh, TV revenues for around about 500 million euros. Um, they're also planning on also selling um, 49% in a merchandising company, which is where a lot of you know their merchandising income uh, comes from for a further 300 million euros. So that's, you know, best part of 800 million euros to, to dig them out the hole they're in at the moment. The issue with it comes with, you know, what happens further down the line we've seen in some of these transfer dealings for example clubs very wary about payments in two or three four years time you know that they want a lot of that money in transfer dealings up front because if just looking at the tv revenues alone for example they're giving away about 500 million euros uh if the La liga tv rights just stayed as they are for the next 25 years now given the way that TV uh, media rights and, and football have gone in recent times. You know, just staying still would be a massive disappointment for La Liga. So they're clearly giving away a huge amount of future revenue. What they're they're betting on, basically, and it was quite fitting that they were playing one of their La Liga, one of their preseason friendlies in Vegas this week. Um, is basically they're going to make so much more revenue in the future from from other revenue streams that that hit they're going to take. In the next 25 years, you know, they can live with to dig themselves out of this hole that they're in at the moment. And Kieran, is it generally been regarded as a good deal for Barcelona selling this 25% of future TV rights for the 500 million to Sixth uh, Street is the name of the uh, company that they've sold the 25% to? Generally regarded as a better deal for Barcelona or for Sixth Street? I think definitely, if you just look at the raw figures, it definitely looks like a better deal for Sixth Street. As I was saying, 
if La Liga TV rights just stayed as they are at the moment, that 25% um, would make Sixth Street about 1.05 billion euros. And then Barcelona sold them for about 500 million euros. So right. there's like a 500 million euro difference there. And as I say, that's if everything stays as it is, you would expect the TV revenues to go up in the future. The thing that's really pretty obvious uh, in all this is that that is just La Liga TV rights deals, right? Barcelona, as we know, are one of the three clubs still very much pursuing the Super League and see that as their route out of all this. Now, I'm sure there's clauses and everything in this contract that you know, if Barcelona leave La Liga or join the Super League or just join the Super League and continue to play in La Liga and those TV rights are diminished somewhat, that you know, Sixth Street will, will get their money back or will get some sort of compensation from it. But that, I think that's one part of it that's maybe been glossed over a little bit and the British media side, you know, t- t- talking about it as TV revenues as a whole rather than just a league of TV rights. Okay. And the other point that Barcelona, you know, and you ask if it's a good deal for Barcelona or not, Barcelona fans generally, um, at least if you go by, by social media and, and certainly the fans through the membership voted for them to go through with these economic levers, are in favour of it. And one of the issues that they bring up is that they're leaving money on the table at the moment by... For example, last season, with a diminished squad, without Messi, without being able to really recruit in the way that Barcelona have become accustomed to, they went out of the group stages of the Champions League for the first time in, in 20-odd years. So, you know, if you get to the semi-finals or final, or maybe even win the Champions League, that's a significant extra revenue that you're, you're making back instantly by having this stronger squad. How usual or unusual is a deal like this? Very unusual in the sense that it's... You know, the reason it's got so much coverage is that it's a, as a team of the size of Barcelona. We're not, you know, there's a reason that Real Madrid and Liverpool and Man United and these type of clubs have not gone down this route. The one to, to put forward the contrarian argument, and uh, that a lot of people have on this, is that this is becoming more and more common, and it's just that Barcelona have gone out and done it as a club compared to many other European leagues, or we see it in rugby and other places where they're they're selling off stakes in leagues to private equity, like. CVC, for example, in, in the case of La Liga itself, um, most of the clubs in, in La Liga, only Barca, Real Madrid, um, Atletico Bilbao, I think Osasuna, um, and the four clubs that um, that voted against taking a deal with CVC, which is only worth 8%, so a significantly uh, lesser amount, but for 50 years, so they're selling that off for a much longer period of time. Um, and football clubs generally quite often mortgage future revenue. Um, I, mean, I saw even today there was a story about Newcastle, and we think of Newcastle having um, endless wealth at the moment, um, using future uh, match day income as a sort of security against that alone. So football clubs do do this to a certain degree, but it's the it's the degree with which Barcelona are doing it and sell off twenty five percent of such a huge. Um, huge TV deal that, that, that they get. It's one of the, I mean, we, we sometimes, maybe more in the past, than we, you know, if you go back 10, 15 years, talk about Barcelona um, as being an example in terms of fan ownership and you know, all the issues that there's been in English football with um, particularly foreign ownership. You look at the Abramovich situation, you look at what happens at Newcastle and it's, you know, this is the, the fans club. The downside of that is a sort of highly political uh, situation that you have presidents who come in have to win votes mm. so you look at what Bartomeu did um, the previous president when they lost Neymar the, the rational situation would be take that money 
work out what you're going to do over the next two or three years. But no, they went out and splashed you know, more than what they got in from Neymar almost straight away in bad deals on Coutinho and, and Dembele. And similarly here with Laporta. Laporta's, you know, selling off these rights way down the line. He's not going to be president in the hope that he gets the glory in the next two, three, four, five years and maybe gets re-elected with a, 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 you know, his sort of second coming of a yeah. great Barcelona team. That's uh, for a future president to worry about seems to be the attitude. So again, for the TV rights, for 25% of the TV rights, 500 million has been generated. And again, it's worth stating, even at the current rate, and you suspect TV money will go up, but even at the current rate, that's actually worth 1.5 billion. But that 500 million to Barcelona right now is very uh, tempting. And then 300 million generated from that deal they've done over future merchandising. So 800 million uh, mustered up in the present out of nowhere, really. To what extent does that leave Barcelona in the clear, free from these La Liga regulations about the numbers of players they can register, just out the gap and a pretty normal uh, big-time club again? The, the amazing thing is, even raising 800 million, they're only just about at the point where um, they could be looking to, to register these new needs, but that's one of the issues they have at the moment, is that in theory, they have signed, you know, Lewandowski, Rafinha, Kessie, Christensen. And actually being able to register them is a, is a different matter. And one of the issues there could be Frankie Dion, which I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to. But mm. going to your point of the 800 million, they had to um, basically cut 144 million euros plus their uh, salaries uh, that they already have. So that takes you up towards that sort of 600 million um, euro level. Um, just to get back down to to zero, basically, of where you could start to register um, future future players. Now, the, the other thing is that the on top of this eight hundred million they brought in, there has also been um, some some cuts in the the wage bill even this summer. Obviously, Messi was the huge one last summer. Coutinho is officially now a Villa player, so he'll come off the wage bill. Uh, Griezmann, um, Atletico Madrid have a, a obligation to buy. Um, this summer, so they're getting there, but it shows that the the level of which they've had to sell off basically parts of their future just to get back to a, a point of, of zero, being able to register players again, and um, has been you know quite severe. Right. Okay. You mentioned Frankie De Jong then, so he arrived to much fanfare for sixty, seventy, eighty odd million territory, and it never really worked out for him thus far. So Barcelona, it seems, want him gone. He's not so sure. He's also owed about. 20 million in deferred wages. Like, what This whole De Jong experience has been a very odd one and not a very pleasant one for anybody. What, what's happened here? Good, good question. I think there still you know, it remains to be seen what happened. The fact it's taken this long, I, I think, shows that De Jong, if he had his choice, would want to stay at Barcelona. Barcelona clearly want him gone because he is one of the, the highest earners. He was sold at that sort of Peak time just before, so bought just at that peak time just before the pandemic. Mm. He's also on one of these contracts that that goes up every year, which is part of where the the fair the fair wages uh, comes from. And as I uh, said previously, you know, Barcelona still need to make cuts here and there, getting rid of some players, getting some pillars off the the wage bill to be able to register all these guys at the same. From a purely sporting point of view, the reason that that they've chosen to get rid of De Jong. It's not because De Jong's a, a, a bad player. It obviously hasn't really worked out in the way that he would have wanted when he signed. But it's also the area of the field where Barcelona are already strong with 
guys that they've brought through their own academy that you know, obviously are pretty young, pretty cheap in the, the grand scheme of things in terms of their wages. When you look at people like Gavi and Pedri and Busquets is, is still there. So it's an area that basically De Jong was the sort of sacrificial lamb in all this, that we know he's a sellable asset, he's a high earner, if we can get rid of him. That gives us the space, you know, the, the budget to deal with then go about and recruit in other areas like we've seen with Rafinha and, and Lewandowski. What happens now in terms of, you know, if if De Jong stays, um, and that's you know the latest reports coming out of Spain are along those lines that he's still pretty pretty insistent that he's going to stay despite sort of pressures from from Barcelona. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do next in terms of how they're going to be able to register these new guys because if, if De Jong stays, then it, it, the sums just don't add up at the moment in terms of um, you know being able to to register these new players. Mm. And what's your sense of the TV rights escalation in, in numbers over the coming decades. I mean, as you said, even if it stays as is, that's 1.5 billion for Sixth Street and, and Barcelona get 500 million in return. Is there any possibility that the backside falls out of TV rights? The Premier League is such a behemoth, it's hoovering up uh, most of the international money. And there just has been a subtle change in La Liga. It is no longer the home uh, for the world's best players the Messi-Ronaldo era is very much done and uh, nor increasingly is it it seems the destination point we've seen the likes of Haaland this year and Mbappe uh, say no to life in La Liga uh, is your sense that the TV rights money will just continue to rise inexorably and that's just the way life is? I think there is definite doubt on the level to which it would rise I think there's still probably just you know just general living how much uh, more things are costing day by day at the moment. So, well, I don't know if you know, Kieran, but inflation quite high at the moment. Exactly, yeah. So <laughs> you would imagine that you know, it would be really remarkable for over the course of 25 years the yeah. those TV rights to, to diminish. I think there is a question on, on how much they go up. But I think this Barcelona summer has sort of reiterated a bit. I know you were saying there, but Mbappe chose to stay at PSG. Haaland's gone to, to Man United it still shows the power and the attraction of Barcelona to these players that mm. despite everything, I mean, even the De Jong situation as well, despite everything, De Jong still wants to stay in Barcelona. Sure. So that, I think Madrid and Barcelona, will, whilst they might not be at the peak that they were you know, five, six years ago when they were clearly the best teams and able to, to pay the best wages and mm. regularly complete, competing for the Champions League every year, they're still you know, a huge attraction to, to players and that will in turn mean that La Liga is still very much a, a, a league followed um, around the world and you know, continue to, to remain popular. It might not be the Premier League mm. and this goes back to the whole Super League argument of you know, in, in continental Europe they, already, they say there already is a Super League it's called the Premier League. Mm. The, behind the Premier League, La Liga is still quite clearly the the second most followed league in the world and, and Barcelona and Madrid will, will retain that, that sort of pulling power to some extent even if it's not you know, what it once was. Yeah. Well, I guess even at this low point in the cycle, Madrid have just won the Champions League and Barcelona have signed some of the world's best players. So I guess... Uh uh, they won't be long in, in returning to former glories in some respect or other. Kieran, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks for explaining all that. Cheers, Joe. Cheers. Kieran Canning there, who's a football correspondent for AFP.
and our football coverage as ever here in Off the Ball is brought to you by Sky get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports and nil all still at half time between France and Germany in the Euros semi-final Football on Off the Ball with Sky get more of the sports you love on Sports Extra with BT Sport and Premier Sports 